0: Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. Hey, we're going to have a good time. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, um, if you are here today and you are married, I believe there's something for you. If you're here today and you're single, I believe there's something for you. If you're here today and you're dating, I believe there's something for you. Anyone looking to date, just by the show of hands, I don't know, anyone? Okay, two people. Okay, great, three people. Oh my goodness, you guys are being shy here. Um... So I've titled this message, The List, The List. Uh, we're going to talk about dating and marrying with wisdom, dating and marrying with wisdom. Matthew 19, Jesus is speaking. It says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there and he healed their sick. Just as an aside, I want to let you know that Jesus is in the business of healing. Jesus is in the business of healing sick. Hey, we are a church at C3 LA that Jesus, that believes Jesus is still healing the sick. He's still healing sick bodies. He's still healing mental illness. He's still healing depression. He's still healing bodies. He's healing, uh, 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 uh what's the spine thing called? I've seen it healed. Scoliosis. I've seen it. I don't know what it's called, but I know Jesus has authority over it. Come on, somebody. Come on, God is a healer. I think we need to recover Jesus as the healer. You know, that's one of his names. He tells his his people in Exodus 15 that I am the Lord your God who heals. I think we should have an expectation when we come into the house of God. Come on, I can get healed by his presence today. I can be healed by his word. In your neighborhood group, if you're a neighborhood group leader, if you're a team leader, I think you should pray for healing for your team. And don't just be like, oh, I'll pray. No, pray right on the spot. Lay your hands on them, Max. Give God a chance. I like to say, give God a chance. Give God a chance to do a miracle in Jesus' name. That's not in my notes, but I just feel like South, South Bay need to have faith for healing in this. Come on, you got an anointing for, uh, on, on this campus for healing, so I believe that. So some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Jesus replied, haven't you read the scriptures? Okay, so when you get confronted with a question by the culture, you should reply with the answer from scriptures. You should not reply with the answer from your opinion. Your opinion has no no power if it's not connected to the truth of God's word. Your opinion should be shaped and formed. The scriptures say don't be transformed uh, by the patterns of this world, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need our minds renewed. And Jesus' replied, they record that from the beginning. Someone say the beginning. God made them male and female. So from the beginning, God had an idea of what marriage would be like. And he said, This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two, you are, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, watch this. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. I don't care if it's popular. The word says, let no one split apart. Come on, what God has joined together. And here is the reality, because we're going to be talking about dating and we're going to hit marriage a bit, but here is, the, here is the reality that Jesus wants you to know, that marriage is a lifelong commitment. So if marriage is a lifelong commitment, how many you know that you should not be casual with how you choose who you're going to marry for that lifelong commitment? Because here is the reality, so much of us marry because we are just lonely. Or we date because we think that uh, by entering into a relationship that somehow my insecurity issues will be solved. Can I tell you that I've been married for almost two years and I don't, you know, I'm not an expert, but I can tell you that my insecurities aren't solved because I was married to my wife. In fact, they're actually more exposed. So so we need to understand that if this is for a lifelong commitment, then we need to date with wisdom. Uh, all throughout the, the New Testament, there's a writer by the name Apostle Paul. And the overwhelming emphasis that he has when he writes his letters is on the church growing up into maturity. And I think one of the areas that we need to grow is this area of dating. Uh, I've been a pastor for about eight years now, and I've seen so often that when people enter into the dating process, they do not do it with wisdom. So therefore, there's an immaturity in how they date. And if you are married here today and you're like, I don't need to worry about that. Well, you actually do because you should be an example, a voice of wisdom, a voice of counsel, a voice of instruction, a voice of, 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 of clarity for people that are dating. in Jesus said, come on, if someone believe it here today, why don't you give God some praise? Come on, I got faith. For this 10.30 service. So here's the reality, what you got to understand, that God defined marriage. God defined marriage, and if God defined marriage, the reason that he defines it is because he designed it. In the purpose of marriage, we see in Genesis chapter 2, we see a few reasons. So in Genesis chapter 2, God says, Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So uh, what he is trying to communicate to you and I is that one of the core reasons for marriage is companionship. Companionship. Then he tells him. Then he tells him uh, that I'm going to have a helper that is fit for you or suitable for you. Now, uh, this was Eve. Now, what I want to kind of communicate here, because if you are a a, a daughter here, if you're a, a a woman of God, come on, somebody, um, you are. Uh, uh, what 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 God is not trying to say is that as the helper, you're just. You know, I'm just this helper. You know, just how can I help me? You know, just how can I just? No, and that's not. That's not the picture there. In fact, that word helper is the same word of the Psalms that is used of God himself. So, so what he's trying to communicate to you and I is if you read prior that God gave Adam a responsibility to work, to toil, to, he gave him a purpose to serve himself and to make the world a better place. So the helper is actually meant to complement the purpose of God that God gave Adam. Are, are you just following me? So it's not only for companionship, but it's also for a calling. And it's a lifelong commitment to both of those things. So if it's a lifelong commitment to companionship and calling, we should do it wise uh, in in how we date. Now, um, it's also important to clarify that if God defined it, if God designed it, I don't get to define it. I don't get to design it. Come on, And neither does whatever news outlet or whoever you follow on Twitter or come on, because you didn't originate it. God did. So I need to align myself with God. You know, I've been to so many weddings and I'm like this. I don't know if this is God's design. Like, I don't know if how this person is officiating it is necessarily what God intended because what I'm witnessing here is just a legal transaction for tax benefits and health insurance purposes. And I'm not witnessing a God covenant union that's blessed before God. Um, So we need to understand that. Now, why is that important? Because when when you align yourself to the purposes of what God has designed for a thing, you actually maximize the satisfaction and fulfillment of it. Can I say it one more time? When you align your marriage to the the purpose of God, you give yourself an opportunity to be fulfilled and and satisfied in that marriage. Now, right now, um, or not right now, whenever a new iPhone drops, comes out, you know, shout out to Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, I don't know if you're pro-Apple people here in LA. Um, Lines are everywhere, aren't they? People are lining up. To get that new iPhone. You know what they don't do when they get that iPhone? They don't take the iPhone and go home and use it as a doorstop. Now, you could use it as a doorstop, but that's not the purpose of it. And if I was to use it as a doorstop, then I would not be maximizing the potential of it. And we have people that are taking the very thing that God created. Come on, somebody. And are using marriage as a doorstop, as if to say using it for their own purposes and, and, and trying to figure out, oh, why is it not good or why is it not something? Why? Because marriage is not for marriage. Marriage is for companionship and calling to fulfill the purposes of God. I'm preaching to somebody already. Come on. I'm getting excited. Okay, so so if this is the purpose, because I believe a lot of the purpose around dating is because there's a confusion around marriage. So if we get marriage right, we start there, then we'll get dating right. Okay, so, so what I want to define for you right here is, this is a definition of dating by a guy by the name of Ben Stewart. He says this, that dating is not a status to dwell in, it's a process to move through. It's a series of actions meant to lead us to a particular end, discerning whether or not we are meant to marry a particular person. Dating exists, Highland Park, come on, dating exists for evaluation. Dating exists for evaluation. Dating does not exist primarily for entertainment. Dating does not uh, primarily exist for, for fun. Dating is not a place that you hang out indefinitely. Come on, somebody, you, your Facebook status been saying in a relationship for for six years. You better you better be intentional, okay? It's a it's a it's a it's a process to move through. It's an evaluation, which is to say that you know you should never just say I guess you know, we're just dating, you know. And just kind of leave there, um, leave yourself there indefinitely. Now, one of the things that we've originated in, in our modern culture when it comes to dating is the list. Someone say the list. The list, the list, the list. The list. Now, uh, the list is these things that you kind of write down um, as the, the positive qualities that you want in your partner. Come on. So for me, you know, when I was making my list, she's got to be shorter than me. Come on, somebody We can't be at the Vision Builders Gala, and she's got heels on and she's taller than me. Come on, she's got to be daring. She's got to be bold, confident. You know, she's got to like basketball. Come on, New York Knicks. And maybe for the for the females here today, you know, you you want to be tall but not too tall. Come on, handsome, funny, good credit. Come on. Shoot, I need to buy a house in L.A. I need good credit. You want them to be confident but caring? Sensitive but strong? Have you ever realized what you don't put on their list? The negative parts of the person. You know what you fail to consider? You know what, like, wasn't on my wife's list? I I would imagine, you know it wasn't on her list? The fact that I have a lot of insecurity because my mom used to always call me sensitive. You know, like on the app. So I'm not on the apps. Uh, I never was on them, but I had a friend that was on it the other day and I went to go look at it on Bumble. You know, you guys don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on. This is LA. Okay. I'm, this is no condemnation, but I wasn't on it. So I went for a little scroll. My wife was right there with me. So, okay. I had accountability. I just wanted to look at it. You know, I, wanted to look, I, just, I just, I just, I just, I never seen it before. So I went to, I was okay. Wow. So you put your, your name, you put your photos, you put, you know, your, your qualities, the things that you like, but you know what you don't put? You don't put your flaws. You don't put the things that you don't like about yourself. You don't put your childhood traumas. You don't put those things on there. And what was fascinating to me is that what it felt like, because what you should be looking for in dating is a person to, to love. But what I felt like on this app was that I was more looking at a product to consume. And I feel like in our modern dating culture, a hookup culture, we've turned this process into uh, I'm looking for a product to consume as opposed to looking for a person to love. And one of the things you got to understand is that God wants us to be people that are not looking for products to consume. Come on. But but a person to love because here is what I found out. Here's what I found out. Come on, my wife is good looking, but I didn't just marry her good looks. Come on, my wife's got, she's smart, she's financed. I didn't, but I just married her, her, her smartness, her intellect. You know, I, I married her brokenness as well. So you marry not just into someone's 40K, 401k or their assets. No, you marry into the fact that they have some stuff going on in their soul. They're unhealthy. They, they, they got some things. And, and here's what's so crazy. When I, was, when I was single and I was a pastor and, and, and you know, the numbers were, were low because, you know, pastors are some of the most insecure people ever, uh, just as an aside. Um, I'm one of them. Um, and, 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 and the numbers were low or something. And, and I came home. I was so insecure. I can just, when I wasn't married, I can just kind of lock myself in the room and just kind of no one else. It affect no one else. But now that I'm married, you can't lock yourself in the room. So I got to deal with that stuff, and now it's spilling over into the relationship. Why am I trying to say that? Because what you got to understand is you need to have an unreal you have you need to have a realistic expectation of the person that you are dating. Why? Because people do not come ready-made. Like there's no such thing as this ready-made spouse. And also, if you're married here today. Maybe the troubles in your marriage aren't as troubling. Maybe you also have unrealistic expectations of the marriage. Because we think marriage is primarily about happiness or compatibility. And can I tell you something? I've been married a year and a half, and I have changed. Like, because I don't, I used to, because my wife is Korean, and she's good looking, and she's amazing, but I used to, like, act like I liked Korean dramas, K-dramas, I actually don't like them, so we thought we were compatible because we had interests in K drama. But now that I I secured the bag, you know. You got you. So that's a that's a elementary example. But how many know people change? People grow. And maybe just maybe the problems in your marriage are just the fact that a person is a human. They're being sanctified. They're being, they're being, they're growing. Tim Keller says this marriage is not primarily for happiness, but holiness. And happiness is a byproduct of marriage in Jesus name. Okay, so if this is the case, I just laid the groundwork. You guys ready for this? I'm about to help somebody, I think, I hope. So we're going to look at, okay, so what do we look for when we're dating? Now, if you're married here today, Like I said, I want you to lean into this because you can be a voice of wisdom. Maybe there's some people here today that aren't here that you can uh, take these notes and you can use to help them. So the first thing that we need to look for in dating is character. Someone say character. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A man without self-control uh, sorry, that's the, that's the, that's the um, other one. For, I'm going to go to that one next. But Proverbs 25, 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into without walls. So, so what is the, the writer inspired by the Holy Spirit trying to communicate? Um, that a person that has self, no self-control, they have no protection over their soul. And if they have no protection over their soul, uh, it's probably an in indicator that they are unhealthy and self-control is a character. It's just a fruit of the spirit. If, they're, if they're, there's no self-control in their temper, if there's no self-control with how they interact with themselves sexually, if there's no self-control, these are character things. These are things that you should look at. Uh, in Proverbs 25, 24, it says this, it is better to live in a corner of the roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Uh-oh, somebody. I'm just going to leave that there because I don't want to get stoned. I'm not going to elaborate on that anymore. But what the writer is trying to do is the writer is trying to put a value on the character of the individual. You know, when I um, started to have feelings for my no, wife, um, I sat on it for three months, which is a lot for me because I'm not a patient person. I'm, I grew up in the fast food generation. Come on. No Internet generation. I'm not a patient person, so three months was like three years for me. Okay, uh, and finally, uh, my pastor's name is Josh Kelsey. I went to him, and I said, "Hey, uh, Pastor Josh, you know, uh, I got there's this girl, you know, Caitlin. She, you know, I think I like her. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know when I told other people that, you know what they usually would respond? They would say, uh, they would say, uh, what do you like about her? You know." Well, what would what, what, what you like about it? But, you know, he didn't say that. He said the first thing that left his mouth was this. Uh, how does she speak about people when they're not around? And I was like, oh, that's some good wisdom, boss. But what he was doing in that moment was trying to get me to look past simply attraction and try to get me to value character. And in that moment, it was a good thing for me. Why? Because I could answer that question with integrity and say, yes, she does speak about good uh, people well, but I love that that was something that he wanted me to emphasize, he wanted me to look for, come on, when I was looking to date. And here's what you got to understand. Character is not seen in someone's potential, it's seen in their patterns. So, so, So a character is not what someone would ideally be in the future. Characters who they are in the present, you know, because we we love to date on potential. Because we are lonely and we're insecure and we and but but you know he comes from a good family she comes from a good family, but they got an attitude. They're always late. You know what I mean? Like just so you don't you don't want you don't date based off potential. Come on, you date based off patterns. Man, you know, I just think if, like, if they were to get saved, they would just be really on fire for Jesus. No, my friends, that's potential. I'm trying to help some people, Joe. So if they have godly character also, the assumption should be that they know God. Just as an aside, by the way. People always ask me, you know, Fillmore, should I date a non-Christian? You know, is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? And the other day, a scripture came to mind, Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Newsflash, my, 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 my sister in Christ, if you don't know Christ, he can't love you like Christ loved the church. he has forfeited his ability to obey the scriptures if you don't know Christ if she don't know Christ they forfeited their ability to and this is no condemnation, but what we want to do, we want to be mature. That's what I talked about. We want to grow. We, I'm not up here talking as someone as an expert, but I am talking as someone that's learned lessons. That I'm talking about someone that's seen the fruit of God's wisdom outworking my life in Jesus' name. The second thing that you need to look for is not only character, you need to look for chemistry. Chemistry, chemistry. Now, Uh, I'm so fascinated by my own personal experience, but also my pastoral experience, uh, how often we actually neglect considering if we actually enjoy hanging out with the person that we're dating. This is usually, this is usually because you guys ever heard of trauma dumping before trauma dumping? Anyone know what that is? So trauma dumping is when you meet someone, you like them. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. And you just kind of unload this, You've met them for 30 minutes. You've had an intense conversation. Or you had like you've talked for them all for like five minutes in the lobby, and you're like, hey, let's go for the coffee. You give a coffee, and you just unload your deepest, darkest emotions and all your traumas and all your stuff, and you just met them. And what's happened in that moment, you've created this emotional bond that's actually really, really strong. And often what also happens when you kind of fail to realize if you actually like hanging out with the person, if you've crossed physical boundaries sexually too soon. Because once you sort of do that, sometimes your vision is clouded. Your perspective is, is clouded and what happens is you, you, it's hard for you to see the person outside of a non-sexual context. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? I, I, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to help us today. And in, in, in what you need to ask yourself is, do I enjoy being friends with this person? <laughs> do I enjoy hanging out with this person? Because there's a word in the, in the Old Testament, and it's called halap. And essentially, it's a word of husband and spouse, and it's husband and wife, and it speaks of spouses being best friends. Because the foundation of every relationship, every healthy relationship is not primarily romance, it's friendship. You know, I was under the impression, you know, um, I, I, my wife said I can share this, but I'm just going to go there. But, you know, in pre-marriage counseling, Pastor Chris, we, uh, we had the, the thing that you do when you, 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 you ask um, how much do you think you're going to have sex in a week. Yeah. <laughs> you, you ask that question. And my number was very high. <laughs> and the expectation versus reality is just not, it's just not the case. Now, I'm not trying to say we don't have sex, but I'd be tired, you know? <laughs> you know, a lot of times people like to blame it on the wife. Like, the wife's always... No, I'm the one that's tired. Like, New York is tiring. What am I trying to say? Because marriage is not just having sex all the time. You need to enjoy hanging out with the person in a non-sexual context. Do you laugh together? Do you, are you following me? Is there a chemistry there? Why? Because that is so important. Why? Because the purpose of dating, remember we're talking about dating, the purpose of dating is not to emotionally connect straight away. The purpose of dating is to evaluate if I want to get married to this person and friendship is the bedrock of romance in Jesus name okay so the second way you need chemistry you need chemistry physically you need to be physically attracted to the person okay I'm just going to say that you know some pastors are like it doesn't matter it's about the heart stop it <laughs> rubbish God can change his heart but he can't change his face come on somebody <laughs> jokes I wondered if I was going to say that, but I was like, "But y'all are giving me the vibes." Okay, but you should be attracted. Here, why, why am I saying that? Because the Bible, I think. Here, okay, bringing it home, the Bible places uh, uh, value on a, on physical attraction. Oh, there's a writer by the name of Tim Keller. He he writes a book called Meaning of Marriage. And in the meaning of marriage, he has a commentary on 1 Corinthians 7, 9. And he says, uh, the, the scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, it says this, But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So Tim Keller, this is what he writes. He says, uh, one of the most misunderstood passages in Paul's writing about marriage is this one, where he says that you should get married rather than burn with passion. Many have seen this as a negative view Paul seems to be saying to them oh if you really have to get married because you are too undisciplined to control your urges go ahead and get married but Paul in the original language is not really being negative at all he was saying that if you find yourself having passion and attraction to someone by all means you should marry that person so basically what I'm trying to communicate which most of you already know but I just want to say that you should be physically attracted to the person in Jesus name okay so we've answered who we've answered who come on give it up for the word of God. Okay. So now we're going to answer the how question. How should we date? The first point is this. You need to date with clarity. Someone say clarity. Clarity. Come on, you need to say what you mean and you need to mean what you say. Be clear about the dating. First Corinthians 14 says this. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Can I say it one more time? Come on. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So you know what you should not be when you're dating? You should not be confusing. You know what's confusing? You know what's confusing? I'll tell you what's confusing. Six months in, someone approaches you. They ask you, what are you guys doing? You know what you say? Hanging out. That's confusing. Hanging out is confusing. Be clear. There's three areas you need to be clear in your dating up front. Uh, The the first place that you need to be clear is you need to be clear in the initiation. When you approach someone, you need to be clear. It's actually godly to be clear. It's godly to be. See, the scripture says this outdo one another in showing honor. It is honoring to be clear about your intentions. Uh, So be clear up front, but also be clear in the process. A person should know where they stand at all times. They should not be coming home texting their friends like, I wonder what he thinks. I wonder what this is. I wonder. I wonder what she thinks. I wonder what, you know, the I wonders, I wonders, I wonder. No, you should be clear. And if you don't know where you're at in the process, my friend, you need to be safe. You need to ask the question, what is this? We need to be bold. We need to be bold. We need to be clear. We need to be see it's possible to be loving and clear at the same time. It's possible to be honoring and clear. In fact, it's more honoring to be clear, and it's more loving to be clear. And also you need to be clear on how to exit. If you're not feeling it, if you're not vibing. No ghosting in Jesus' name. And and, and here here you need to provide a clear door out. Now, a lot of the times we don't do this, I've seen it in my personal life, I've seen it in my pastoral experience, is that the reason we don't do this is not necessarily, I don't actually think people are, have bad character or even bad intentions. I think most people are actually afraid of confrontation. So, and, and also they're afraid to, 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 they want people to feel bad. But can I tell you something, my friend and my homie, I don't know why I said homie, Um, How a person responds to disappointment is not your responsibility. That's not your husband. It's not your wife. That's not your responsibility. You just need to be clear. Here's some words that you can use. Hey, you seem like a really great person, a really great guy, a really great girl, but I don't see this going any further. Just say that. That's all you need to do. That's clear. Why? Because it's not loving to be unclear and also after you've said that don't ask them to hang out one-on-one that's weird i'm getting all in y'all's like life right now because i know how it is that's weird be clear okay you guys follow me so uh a person is honored by providing an honest and gracious explanation. Romans 12.10 says this, outdo one another in showing honor. Come on and it it's honoring to be clear. The second way you need to do is you need to date with purity. Someone say purity. purity. See, you know what's so fascinating? The Bible, uh, not the Bible, the world has so many classifications and categories for romantic relationships. Have you noticed that? We're like hanging out, we're seeing each other, we're talking, we're friends with benefits. I'm just kind of going there, right? Like, uh, we're, we're, we're living together, we're shacking up, we're, we're, like, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, and then, by the grace of God, maybe or hopefully we're husband and wife. Can I tell you something? The Bible does not honor those categories. The Bible has two categories, brother and sister in Christ, and husband and wife. Why is that important? Why is that important? Because with these human categories that we've made, we've made them. We think once I pass into the boyfriend category, I get access to privileges. So my hand starts to slip down a little bit. I'm just going there. I'm just being honest. That's not your wife. That body does not belong to you yet. That body belongs to the Lord. And, and there's no condemnation, but we want to grow and be mature and, and reflect the, God, God, the heart of God. People always ask me, how far is too far? I get that question all the time. It's my favorite question. How far is too far? Well, that's your brother or your sister in Christ. So how far is too far for your sister? That's awkward to think about, I know. It's really awkward. But so- Song of Solomon 8 verse 4 says this, Do not, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Do not arouse, awaken. So, how far is too far is when you arouse something that you cannot complete. See, because the arousal was created for the context of loving covenant in marriage, blessed, holy, set apart, consecrated before God. Do not arouse that, do not awaken that before it so desires. And, and it's important because the scriptures, when it says the two become one, it says that you are becoming one on the deepest of levels. That word one is echad in the Hebrew. It's like, it's like being knitted together in the, in the deepest of levels. And, and, and here is the reality of what happens sometimes in, in relationships. When you cross the boundary or you introduce sex too soon in the relationship, it's actually sometimes harder to get out, even, if, even though you know that it's actually not good for you. Right? Because we all got those friends. They like hang out, you go to dinner with them, and you like, they hate each other. Like, you can just tell that they literally hate each other. But they won't break up. Why? Because they, there's this bond that they've crossed, and it's actually harder for them to, to, to break that bond. But I believe the power of Jesus can break it. By the power of his Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the grave. Come on, it lives in every believer in Jesus' name. But on a practical level, this is what I've seen. Now, uh, when I was younger, I used to hate car seats. I Used to hate them. If you ask my mom right now, she'll she'll agree with this. So, put it in the car seat, and I was like, "Man, this is this is stupid. Why am I scream, kick?" Now that I'm older, I actually think it's weird to not wear seatbelts. Like when I'm in a car with someone, I'm like, bro, put on your seatbelt, bro. Come on, this is weird. Like put on a seatbelt. And, and here is the reality is that I've actually matured in my thinking because I understand that car seats and seatbelts are limits, but they're not limits simply meant for restriction. Come on, they're meant for protection. And a lot of times we fail to realize that God's will for your sexual life is good, pleasing, and Perfect. God's will for every sexual life in marriage, every person that wants to be married, come on, it's good, pleasing, and perfect. So he puts boundaries so that that can be protected. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. And, and here's the thing. It, Hebrews 13, four says this, the marriage bed should be kept pure. So purity is not just for dating, by the way. You know one of the lies I believed, Joe, that when I got married, that I would stop being like, attracted to beautiful people? Stupid. You think just because you like—I I don't know why I thought that—but it was just I, I maybe didn't say that, but in, like, like in my head. But I actually feel like that I've probably been more tempted now in in New York City and 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 what the things that you got to understand is that as for the married people, you need to steward your attractions for your spouse in a healthy way. Um, uh, you you ever like? I, I grew up I, I grew up like loving junk food, and my mom used to always get on me like. Like, you better, like, not eat popsicles before dinner, okay? Those cosmic brownies, those hot Cheetos, like, come on. You know, the sprinkle brownies, those, come on, I grew up from the hood, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we ate. And then at my appetite, by the time I got home and after school, because I would have after school program, and then I would just kind of eat. And then by the time I got home, my mom made the best spaghetti, the best rough beef. It was amazing. Potatoes, it was amazing, but I didn't have an appetite for it. You know what I think happens a lot when it comes to marriages? You walk around LA or you walk around New York and you're just looking at all these people, your, your, your eyes are wondering, you're looking, and what's happening is you're, you're chewing on junk food all day. And by the time you get home, you realize your, your, your sex drive is not even where it maybe should be at or you don't have the appetite for it. Why? Because your appetite has been spoiled because you haven't stewarded your attractions throughout the day. And that's from experience. So I'm not, I'm, and it's something that I have to learn and I have to grow in, but I'm telling you about the power of the spirit. Come on. I believe we can do it in Jesus' name. Come on, is this helping anybody? So uh, the last thing you need to do is you need to date in community. Someone say community. Just as an aside, there's no way to date well in isolation. <laughs> and I'm not anti-online dating because I don't want to be that pastor, right? I'm not anti it. But what it does do is it creates a greater temptation to divorce dating from community. Because what you can do is you can hide. And just because you don't see red flags, my friend, don't mean there ain't any. You know, there's a story in uh, Mark chapter 10 when... Uh, there's a, a rich young ruler. We don't know the name of the rich young ruler, uh, but it's in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And uh, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and said, What's must, what must I do to be saved? And the assumption that, or the, the, the thing that Jesus responds and says, uh, basically, you know, sell everything to the poor, uh, give, give away all your things and then follow me. So what Jesus was trying to communicate is that he had a, a, he had a g- greed had a grip on his heart. Uh, But before Jesus got to that, I love what Jesus said. It says in Mark 10, 21, it says, it says he looked at him and he loved him. He looked at the rich and ruler, he loved them, and then he spoke the truth. He looked at him. You need people to look at your life. Why? Because there's some things that they can see that you can't see. That, that there's some things that they can see, maybe in the relationship or maybe in the attitude, both good and bad, by the way. But you need people to look and love you enough and bring your relationship into the context of the community to love you enough to look and say, you know what? I think you should shift. I think you should adjust. I think you should, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. Why? Because that is important. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, no one, no one loves. Like being at dinner, coming home, looking in the mirror, and you got, like, stuff in your teeth. No one loves that. Like, 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 no one enjoys that, right? You're like, man, I wish you would have told me. And a lot of times, man, I'm thankful that I have community in my life because, man, they saw the stuff and they called it out. You know, um, uh, when, I, when I was dating my wife, now wife, uh, there was a moment about six to 12 months in where I was like, this is, this is too hard. Like, I don't know if this is, this is the vibe. I don't know if this is... I, I can't do it, you know? Like, she's crazy, okay? You know? <laughs> she's the most loving person if you know her. But, you know, but we're, you know, we, we got sin. We bring the sin into the relationship, right? And I had a friend who I would bring stuff to and they were always, always, always... Not partial to a side but partial to the truth and what would happen was it brings up and he would always say you need to see it this way you need to say oh have you thought about it from her perspective and what he did was he helped me see it with a sober mind because a lot of times when it comes to you, you just you, there's so much emotion involved and sometimes the emotion you lose clarity but you need an outside voice, a mediating voice to help give you clarity. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no guidance a people falls, but an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 24, 6 says this, victory depends on having many advisors. You want safety? You want victory? Bring people into it. See, here's the crazy thing about it. For the first time in human history, We've removed dating or we've removed the evaluation process because dating is a new concept in the past hundred years, by the way. We've removed the evaluation process from the family. We've removed it from the village. We've removed it from trust and wisdom. It was primarily a communal decision. And I'm not trying to idealize the past, but we can learn from the past. What, 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 What do I mean? Because what they understood was that the person that you are choosing, remember, it's forever. It was too big of a decision just for one person to make. Too big of a decision. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.